Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. This week on The Pinball Show, we deliver the news, including Stern Pinball production updates and changes, Mandalorian Pro gameplay, Zach getting slam-tilted, Dennis choosing his own adventure and morphing into a vampire, Multimorphic jumping into the ring, American Pinball's upcoming production plans, a new segment we're calling The Game Has Changed, a most special edition of Pinball Market Trends, and the pinball landscape for the remainder of 2021. Listen now, because all other priorities are rescinded. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for the Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. It's amazing, I'm the reason. Everybody fired up this evening. I'm exhausted, barely breathing, holding on to what I believe. And no matter what, you'll never take that from me. My rain is as far as your eyes can see. It's amazing. Episode 63 of the Pinball Show is coming at you right now. I'm Zach Minnie, alongside my co-host Dennis Creasel from the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. How you feeling, Dennis? Feeling good? Yeah, I'm fine. You loose, oh, baby. We got a lot of news. You loose? Mm. I'm gonna rub them shoulders. I need you to be on fire. Get in that ring. I think the news will start its own fire. Warm the heart of the listener. It typically does. I was on fire last week. I, I was invited onto the legendary Slam Tilt Pinball Podcast. Did you take oh, a were listen you? to that with Ron and I, uh, Bruce? I happened to. Yes, I did. I held my own, right, Dennis? You tried, Dennis, Mister Creasel. Uh, you have uh, to objectively say. I, I held my ground and uh, I was on it's point. Just, it's just it's hard point. when you you take things when you embrace trolling like pretending Popeye's a great game and just decided to make it a part of your persona. But I thought I made good arguments, I, better it's arguments than the, the, the alternative it's that, was. It's like it's like if you were to take the bet, like if you like to go to Krispy Kreme, mm-hmm. okay, and you're to get their their glaze formula for the donuts Nasty and you glaze donut, a rock yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. It's still just a rock underneath it. So yeah, okay. I, the dishonesty beneath the fact is sort of irrelevant to the quality of the argument. It so it undermines it. Mm. If it was debate club, mm-hmm. congratulations. But <gasps> it's in the world of the podcasting. It's not debate. I think I heard a little nod of the tip of the hat there. Did did one tip their their cap? Oh. It's it's just it's real interesting because Bruce is very negative about a lot of games and such, yes. and you're very positive. So naturally, there was going to be some degree of conflict that would manifest from that. And Ron was the realist. Yeah, Ron's very practical. Back and forth between both arguments of of any topic of degree that we have. Like, Ron really likes certain games. He also is willing to dislike certain games, mm-hmm. and he can actually sing. So it's like, oh, can he not? You're like the android from Alien, and he's Bishop from Aliens. He's just better in all ways. The android? You remember the android in Alien? Yeah, but... Ash? I'm him? Yeah, kinda. Hmm. Well, he wasn't really very positive, but... I, I, I thought it'd be... You're trying to... I'm like Sigourney, and you're trying to choke me with a magazine, and the magazine is Market Trends. I thought I was the kid. 
There's no kid in Alien. What am I thinking of? Unless you mean the baby alien. No, I'm thinking of... Oh, what's the little girl? Newt? Yeah, Newt. Yeah, that's Aliens. Oh, the the better film. That's I'm talking right. about... A- Ash wasn't in Aliens. He was in Alien. Mm. Ash is the android in Alien. Bishop is the alien... Is in Aliens as the android. <sighs> I'm already bored. Krispy Kreme donuts suck. I agree. I actually don't like them. Good. I like Duncan. Yeah, Duncan's fine. Krispy Kreme, I don't know what they do. Um, they, it's too sweet. It's a weird formula. It's too sweet. is what uh, Fundamentally, that's the problem. It's like eating cake. Uh, we talked last week, listener, about uh, Joe Fox and I on the pinball show here, talked about the honeymoon period and receiving a pinball machine and how long that honeymoon period lasts. We, we didn't know if you could identify that by games played or by duration of ownership or play. Dennis, any thoughts on the honeymoon period or how long it it lasts? Uh, you think on average? Uh, no, I mean it I depends I on the depends on the owner. Some, some of them are going to do it based off of time of possession, mm-hmm. and then others would be like. I think that number of games played is a is a good metric for being able to know whether or not you enjoy the gameplay. I think some people that's not necessarily what they just they get bored of anything and it doesn't matter if they're actually playing it or not. So for them, it's going to be more about ownership. Mm. I think in my opinion, most people who are familiar with pinball should be able to fully understand whether or not they enjoy how well a game plays within 50 plays. Oh, 50. Yeah. I thought it doesn't really go longer take that than many. me. It doesn't really take that many. Huh. To, you know, that's enough to, to understand the shots and it should be able to uh, know, access anything close to the start button within 50 plays should be achievable. In a home environment. That's more of an, an objective approach, but people aren't that way. Some people like you True. are, but... True, There are other people that seem to be like, once they've owned a game three months, it doesn't matter if they put on 20 games or, or 2,000, they are done. They're no longer in love with it. So that was my last week talking about honeymoons and yelling at Bruce Nightingale. How was your last week? Oh, fine. I've been real busy with work. Uh, and then uh, a separate... Kind of hobby project I was working on is was formally publicly announced as being oh, ready did, to go. Yeah, I've seen that. Tell the tell the listener about this. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, so I and several dozen other authors participated in a crafting essentially a choose your own adventure book. Did you ever read choose your own adventure books? I did as a. Uh, there were children's choose like a, your own right, adventures. Yeah. Or, yes. A yeah. lot of them were oriented to kids, mm-hmm. uh, written in second person, and then they like you come to a choice and you turn to a different page yep. depending which a choice. A horror, you a sci-fi theme generally is what I read. Yeah, yeah, I, I just remember a, a variety of adventure style ones that would that I would read as a kid. And so anyway, that's that's what the that's the genre essentially of the book. So it's it's called Take a Shot Stories Number One: Beach Chip Beware. Ooh. And so yeah, there were forty plus authors who who contributed to it. So I was I was approached about participating and I said I would. And so it finally it rolled around. And so you had different authors handling different endings, handling different transitions and all to be merged into a seamless adventure book, which the editing for that must have been a nightmare. Thankfully, I did. I did not. I did not have to edit it. I'll email you a link you can throw in the show notes. To, that would be uh, the, great. The Kindle version. D- full of disclosure, obviously, as a contributing author, there may be financial benefit to me for people buying books. So I always like to get that out there as a notation. So um, it's uh, available expected, for pre-order I mean. for Kindles. Uh, it's not available on Kindle until July 1st, but it's 99 cents So for the for the whole book. Then that is cheap mm-hmm. for a book. So. That's almost 1,000 top. That's <gasps> You get 1,000 books for a topper. 
That's really sad when you put it in that context. I know. <laughs> I also actually, I had another one that I guess it dropped in December. I vaguely remember an email and that one was a, a vampire story that I wrote and years, like 20 years ago. And the uh, editor of the magazine I sent it to who published it, e-magazine at the time, uh, asked if she could run it as in a, in a book anthology and said I had agreed but she wanted to check again because I had last agreed like in 2004. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I'll, I'll give you a link to that a one. A vampire but, story. Uh, yeah, it was. She had a, I think her uh, her online magazine was like called Bloodlust UK. It was a British-based uh, vampire fiction. Mm. So look, back when I was job searching out of college, I wrote a lot of short fiction. Just, just fill my time. Man. And I had a number of them published. And then once I started working, I quit writing. I so love this story. I don't story. really fiction much anymore, but but anyway, uh, so yeah, I just I sold a few stories over those that time period, and then Empire. It's all yeah. I, I, I love painting this picture about writing. you. This is good. So no, I I didn't I didn't normally do vampire fiction. It was just something I'd get an idea and I'd write a story off of it. So I had, um, you know, I had sci-fi stuff. I had weird. I had one that I took that Sally Fields movie, not without my daughter, and I made a whole stupid version <laughs> oh with a God. kidnapped a with a kidnapped dog. Cut. I actually have custom art. An artist uh, painted me a a picture for that. I hope it's of story. you as a vampire. In college, no. did you were you a little vampire goth? Nope. No. White foundation guy liner. No. No, I don't ever remember even reading vampire novels. You won't be my little Edward. No. So we have correspondence. Let's talk about them correspondence. I just want to keep talking about vampires. <laughs> Tony, after he found out about that, he goes, don't tell me you're one of those sparkly vampire people. <laughs> it's uh, like, no, Tony, it's a, it was a one-off. So as beautiful as that visual is for you all, Dennis Creasel in his uh, early 20s as a vampire going to conventions, trying to pick up <laughs> other vampire chicks. Go out and support. Uh, go out and support this. He's not going to do it, so I'm going to push it for you because I'm all about that. Bye, bye, bye. Um, I have no part of it, so that makes you want to support it even more. <laughs> so go out. It's 99 cents. Pre-order it. Buy the damn thing. That's that's cheap. You know what, Dennis? I, I've heard for the price of a cup of coffee, uh, the, you know, you can have three of these <laughs> books. <laughs> go, go, go buy the damn thing. I'm not the only pinhead who uh, worked on it. Uh, Lucas uh, Pepke. Oh yeah, that's our buddy. He's, yeah. he's he was he was one that edited it. Oh, I didn't know that's that. who approached okay. me. It's from his uh, so, literarily wasted. Yeah, okay. That was the group that, and that's the listed as the that's the listed author. That's the group that organized the whole thing. So yeah, for those that don't know Lucas, besides being really involved in pinball, he's really involved in literature. Yeah, he's so an awesome. So if dude. not doing it to support me, do it for Lucas. Do it for Lucas. Do it for the people. And for the price of a cup of coffee. Decaf for the price for of one third of a cup of coffee. Coffee's really expensive. I don't drink coffee, so. What do you got, correspondence? It's time for TPN Industry News. Hey, this is Kaz with an American Pinball Update. David Fix, Mukesh, and Nermal are guests on the Pinball News and Pinball Magazine podcast. They talk about how Aimtron is the full owner of American Pinball and how they look to continually improve the product talk about also using their own board set in the future and discuss using Bader Playfields. There's been a slight supply chain issue that's affecting the reveal of the new game 
It's going to be seen as soon as it's ready to ship. This new game available this spring is going to be unlicensed, and there's also going to be an unlicensed game available this fall, sometime right around Expo. The plan is to have two games out per year, so next year the plan is to have a game in the spring and the fall. Both of those games look to be licensed themes. And they also want to have two models going forward for each game. There's going to be a classic model that's going to be more for operators, and there's going to be a deluxe version that's for the home collectors or homeowners. It's going to have a mirrored back glass and a few other options that won't be on the classic, but they're going to have the option to buy the additional parts for the classic model. So American Pinball looks to have two games per year and have multiple lines there at the factory and even have room for contract manufacturing in case another company wanted to have American Pinball build games for them. So it looks like some interesting times there at American Pinball. I hope everybody has a great week and has fun playing pinball. For The Pinball Show, this is Brian Cosner. Hello and welcome to The Pinball Show's Stern News Update. I'm Craig Bobby. Oh, the wait was finally over this week for excited buyers and enthusiasts as Jack Danger welcomed the first Mandalorian Pro onto his dead flip pinball stream on Twitch. The stream gave fans and potential buyers a chance to finally see the Mandalorian Pro's one-flipper upper playfield in action and also see other minor layout differences versus the premium LE that was previously shown on Deadflip when the title was first revealed. With the first Mandalorian Pros coming off the production line this week, viewers should expect to see this title popping up all over Twitch and at various pinball locations in the coming week. And don't look now, but fans of the Deadpool title should be getting excited as rumor has it that Stern will be taking orders soon for another run of Deadpool toppers. Yes, courtesy of the topper king himself, Zach Many, who shared his prognostication as a guest on the Slam Tilt podcast with Ron Hallett and Bruce Nightingale this past week, that this hard-to-find topper would be made available again soon by the world's largest pinball manufacturer in the near future. Ooh! And meanwhile, back at Pinball Central, Stern released the making of the Avengers Infinity Quest video this past week starring Keith Elwin and the rest of the design crew of this record-breaking title, including TPN's own, the world's number one pinball player, Raymond Davidson. The video is offering a fascinating look into the making of the game from the layout to the rules to the art, while explaining how Team Elwin's collaboration made pinball history once again in the creation of this modern Stern classic. That's all for this week. For The Pinball Show, I'm Craig Bobby. Catch you on the flip side. Hi, this is Ken Rudberg with your Jersey Jack update. At the risk of this becoming the Guns N' Roses mod update, I wanted to point out yet another option for the discerning Guns N' Roses owner looking for a topper. Pinball Bazaar out of the UK will be producing their own topper. Not only are they a respected mod maker in their own right, but they now have Stumbler on board, who is a Twippy-nominated mod maker that created the flashing snack bar light for Creature from the Black Lagoon. Not only that, they also have Brian Allen from Flyland Designs. He's the artist responsible for the recent alternate back glass designs for classic Bally Williams games, as well as pinball mashup posters featuring a wide range of classic pinball characters. With this super team of mod makers and artists, 
It will be interesting to see what they come up with to meet the competition for limited Guns N' Roses back box real estate. And finally, The Wizard of Oz is the next game in line to receive internet connectivity and scorebit integration through code update version 7.03. For the Pinball Show, this has been Ken Rudberg. Hi from Dr. John on this week's SHIT update on the Pinball Show. Not too much going on in the lull prior to the release of Spooky's next title, which we're hoping will be in the next two to three weeks still. No leaks, just an update from Charlie on the increased build quality with no more IDC connectors and Molex only as promised. So that should reduce any little disconnections during transport, which has been a feature in the past. On the Haggis front, Damien's back to his Facebook uh, updates on how the progress is going with the new factory. These should be coming out every week or so. And at the moment, they're just finalizing the layout with some new machinery and some new componentry coming in from Germany to commence finishing off the build of Celts. This will then allow them to get on to building all the Mermaid editions which have been sold out for the Fathom. So hopefully we should see the overseas Celts shipments in the next month or two. And then following that, the first shipment of the Fathom Mermaid Edition. So that's it for this week, and we'll catch you all next week. We're going to kick it off with the king yet again, because we've got news from Stern Pimble. Doom, Yes. Oh, yeah. We didn't even get flagged for that. Nicely done. The Mandalorian Pro was streamed this past week on Dead Flip Pinball Streaming Channel. Did you get a chance to check out this gameplay? No, I did not. <gasps> I will say, looks to shoot good as well. I don't think you can go wrong with any of these models. Some of the pros, uh, the pro had, in my opinion, had some had some really big positives, maybe even over the premium LE. But wow. there were, yeah, but there were some things that kind of, I'm like, eh, got to go premium on this one at least. It was probably the uh, lack of the habit trails. That was part of it. I think I you still... Like a, you, you like a good wire form, Zach. I do. And I do like a good plastic. I don't mind... I'm not a... You're not, you're not an I'm anti-plastic. Not a, yeah, That's I'm not true, a ramp but, snob. But you do, seem, you do seem generally just visually to highly mm-hmm. prefer wire form, which I, I would agree. They, it is more attractive. I do, I do kind of like the entrance with a plastic. I like that mm. feel. Sometimes like... Um, I'm trying to think what game has metal entrances and I'm like, eh. Works on Avengers, that's for sure. I've been playing a lot of that. But no, the the stream looked good, sounded good. We got to hear a lot of the call-outs. This, this game's shaping up to be to be awesome. I can't wait to play it. Um, one of the things I did notice, we were talking last time or on previous episodes with Dennis and I, that it's kind of cool. You get that visual representation uh, of Mando up there, and when you gain the Beskar and you go into the foundry and you upgrade your equipment, you see it visually uh, on hit on on his person up there like uh, if you if you get a rifle then boom the rifle goes on his back and you can see kind of what equipped I, I like that I did notice though that once you use the item that represents that gear it, it goes away visually and I, I was I was kind of bummed uh, well I mean it could be seen as a handy way for you to quickly just glance and know what you still have at your disposal yeah as a UI so that's kind of what it was reason. yes and I realize that now that it probably makes the most sense, but I kind of like it as a measurement of 
progress too. No, that's a good point. I I heard on another podcast. I wish I could remember which one it was where. Uh, they had suggested the idea of wouldn't it be nice if at the like when you put in a high score, yeah, like the image would show and then you'd be able to look and it's like a video game thing where like if you do a speed run and you want to do a zero percent speed run where you're you basically you finish the game naked and show that you still were able to win without any of the gear. Yeah. If it goes away yeah. on use, that's not the it's not conveying that. Especially when we're thinking about this code and rule set, borrowing or, or playing around with the the idea of an R. PG style game. I, yeah, I kind of like that as just a long-term progress, not so much to see what I have, but what I have earned throughout the game. So maybe they'll consider that in the future, but I thought that'd be neat. And then I think whoever you're referring to, I'm forgetting who it was as well, but they were talking about like in the high scores. Yeah. You would be able to kind of just look at the figure and know. It might've been Joel's podcast. Oh, could, could have been just another pinball when he had, um, Jordan and, uh, and, and Becca, Becca yeah. and, and yeah, Chuck Wirt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was that one could have been. So yeah, I was, I saw that and I was like, Oh man, I, I want to keep my rifle. I earned it. And I also like Travis Murray was discussing some of his reactions to gameplay of the premium LE. I believe he was discussing that the armor used on the, the visuals of the LCD screen of Mandalorian was the armor in season one, kind of that, I've got to, I've got to build my armor up because it's really expensive. He said he wished that you would see at some point being able to upgrade to that season two, very sleek, uniform, consistent, uh, Beskar outfit. And I agree. I would love to see you be able to upgrade at some point. Maybe you get to the first wizard mode and you get upgraded with this season two. Awesome. Awesome outfit. Just little things like that. Are we asking too much, Dennis? Um, I think this is a pretty small potato complaint. Okay. I can't I can't pick on the way it shoots. It looks like it shoots really fun. The rules look engaging already, which is surprising. And still haven't said what it's on, like 0. 0.87, 0. 0.95. And I know that's arbitrary, but I'd still be interested to know where that's at. But you don't you don't really feel like you're losing a whole heck of a lot in the pro. You still get the complete game. And then the premium takes it up a notch with, you get another ramp. Well, you've convinced me, Zach. So if I order my pro, oh, no, no. how long will I wait? Waiting for you to ask for the first one again. No, no, I know I can't ask for the first one. So how long will I have to wait for the second one? We we do have some updates here on the, the pinball show. Updates that are going to be a little bit different than we're accustomed to with with previous Stern releases. We do know that the there's a parts delay, supplied delay everywhere. That's every manufacturer that's <laughs> doesn't even have to be pinball. So I think that's why we haven't seen the pros yet. We do know the pros are scheduled to arrive anytime now for those designated locations and dealer showrooms. So if you ordered a pro, it's not coming in the first run. I don't care what dealer it is for the most <gasps> part, unless they're breaking the rules. I'm hoping this week, maybe, maybe this week. Hmm. And we know that all the LEs, after the pros run, all the LEs are then estimated to be built all together in June as well. Now, here's the difference, Dennis. I think this is different. They haven't acknowledged that this is different. But we're actually, listener, going to see a run of premiums in June as well. Albeit at the end of the month. But typically, Dennis, whenever they release these, they do pros to the showroom and to the locations. They've done that before. Then they run LEs. Sometimes then they throw another pro run in there because they know they're going to make a lot. Then premium later on. 
we're seeing a little switch here because premiums may hit the majority of homeowners before the pros. Oh. Why do you think that could be? Well, I've known that in the past I've seen premium buyers complain that why should they be the last of the three runs when they're paying the second highest amount? Mm, it's a good argument. So maybe that's the motivator. Maybe the balance of purchasing is such that there are more premiums that have been pre-ordered than pros. I would guess that, that could could be, another. be the case, actually. That would be another. Are, yeah. Those would be the two main ones I would think of. We ordered two or three to one premiums to pros. So that could be, that could be the case. So I guess I'll just get my pro in July during the July production. So then after that, they're not making a July run of pros or premiums. They're not doing any Mandos in July. I don't know if the, if the June run of the premiums is so late that they're planning on just that being the first part of July. They still have a lot of back order titles. But uh, right, yeah, in, I know, but right there now, are a lot of Mandos that, that have been ordered. The production schedule at this point in time is additional pro and premium runs for August. Okay. Many of the listeners right now are thinking, well, wait a minute. This, that's a long time to wait. And I think Stern's aware of that. And I, if I know them, they're doing everything they can to get machines out the door. But that's where we're at right now on the Mandalorian, August. Yeah, homeowners that ordered a pro are looking at August, a couple months. Do you think this is a push to get more people into locations to really build that scene up again? No, I don't think that's the motivator. Okay. Happy accident? Uh, not happy for homeowners. A push to drive more premiums than pros? I think, that, but the orders are the orders, so I think that's already the case. I think the thing that advantages the operators is, the, um, and to Stern's benefit to potentially get more homeowner sales is to prioritize having the pros go to the operators first when you make the pros. But otherwise this I'm going to guess is just more about trying to address the backlog that they have mm. be it driven by the parts issues or what it doesn't really matter what drives it, but just an, a desperate attempt to switch the lines and not constantly have to be alternating during the month, but to go a whole month with your hottest game. And I mean, Mando I think is going to outsell anything else this year and i think it outsells anything that was released last year so i it seems weird to go a whole month without running do you, it do you think that because I, I always guessed and a very educated guess but i always guessed that they have to decide these runs prior to even announcement of these games so you get uh, their production schedule and because of parts and because of running all of these different titles and lines they probably almost have to a lot spaces in between these other titles prior to even announcing the game. So if that is the case, then they don't know what their reaction will be to one of their new games. Does that make yeah, sense? Uh, yeah, it does. And, and I, I agree, but I mean, and we know that they change things up too. I mean, look at how sure, sure. much Elvira house of horrors kept getting pushed mm -hmm. back from when it was supposed to have its follow-up run. Yeah. So these, these schedules are all tentative. So, so they yeah, could, I'm just they could I'm just change. concerned because saying all this aside, we're not even talking about the fact that in theory they're still playing to release a couple more games this year. If they're following the schedule that they typically do, yeah. And I'm really questioning if that's smart. Running the games or having a production doing another schedule release. like this. Doing another release while you have this much stuff still on the line. Oh, I see. Still in the backlog. Do you think Stern anticipates the demand for some of these older titles to the degree that they receive them? 
I think it's probably <laughs> shocking to them. I think that they try. I, you know, it's just it, so many things. It, de- you know, it depends. Like Deadpool wasn't a unpopular game when it came out, but it got really, really mm-hmm. hot. Like everyone's talking about Deadpool now and how great they love the rules. And then you have others which are, you know, slow burns. Stranger Things mm-hmm. is sort of a slow burn. Guardians, Guardians is a slow burn. Yeah. Where the game wasn't really well liked, Batman but then as code as code burn. got fleshed out, it it became more popular. Yeah, Batman was a is a good one too. So so there are aspects where as they make refinements to the product on the software side, it changes sometimes significantly the level of interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that obviously puts a what do the British like to say, a spanner in the works? Uh I have no reference. It's sort to of that. tossed in, and whatever they were planning, schedule, even they had some numbers to do some predictions, can dramatically just get changed because the demand has shifted. But so I can understand maybe them not understanding that Mando was going to be a huge hit just based off the license. Though I think you could have called, you could have walked up to just about anyone on the street and realized that it would have been. Mm-hmm. Especially given that the gameplay is going over so well. The interest is likely going to spike more, and that might be something they didn't foresee. Yeah, but and maybe they change that, it. Maybe they but change I, it. Again, I don't know because they have to go and how they've got their other licenses set up. But you know, more, you know things well, like Godzilla, maybe you get it shouldn't. Yeah, I guess depending on how it's like. I don't know when the clock starts. If the clock is already started, or if it only starts once they go into production. Because mm-hmm. I just. Again, I just remember last late last year when Gary Stern said they were 5,000 games behind, and then it's like they released Led Zeppelin. I'm like, why would you do that? I, I wish I was a fly on the wall. Because I'm, I'm always going back to Josh Sharp with Raw Thrills and his statement about the best time to you move to the next game when the line slows. Mm. That's the manufacturing way. Yeah, I, and their line definitely ain't slow right now. And what a great problem to have for Stern Pinball. Sure, sure. It's just, but you know, it's still a problem because, again, as you pointed out, like there would be there are Mando buyers who are going to be upset being told that they're going to have to wait until August or for, uh, or for the, the next production. The following run after that listener for uh, for pros and premiums is October. So, yeah, August, October. And then at this so I'm wondering if September is their next new game could be. But uh, they have they're not running anything for in July. Maybe that's July. No, certainly. It's too soon. They got to catch up on all them Elvira's. I don't know if we'll see something as soon as September. Mm, I would hope not. I mean, in theory, it could still just be backlogged. (laughs) All these listeners are like, yeah, right. Shut up, dude. I want to see something tomorrow. You know what, listener? Dennis, tell me if you agree with this or not. I think it's time for Stern Pinball to maybe think about increasing their size yet again. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I don't agree. Okay. I still think that the bottlenecks, the parts is why I don't agree. Mm. I'm not sure that their, their space is. I don't think the space is the problem. Just imagine having 25% more workers and an additional yeah, production line. Building, I mean, if that's what you meant by size, I thought you meant like get another factory again. Well. And move to another new if, building. I'm not sure that they're actually maximizing the full space where they're at. That place is full. I think they could move again. I could see them upgrading again. I'm not sure it's worth it. Maybe just just get an ancillary facility, oh, run two facilities, like an annex or something. Yeah, or or, well, sure. or another, you know, buy back the old space and have that just be old game lines. You know, it doesn't. You don't have to all be in the same building. I'm just saying, I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Stern make movements to grow here. Soon. I I wouldn't be either, but I think I'm not sure that. It, 
I'm not sure that they're actually pushing their workers to their full capabilities. If they're running into parts issues, then it's just, I mean, it is what it is. And there's, mm-hmm. they're filling up with all the other stuff, waiting for what little bits and chips and stuff they still need. Yeah. At the end of the day, all of you buyers out there for Mandalorian, it's not going to matter the dealer. It's not going to, everybody's going to have to be patient if you guys want this game. And you've done a really good job of being patient on some of the other titles that have taken a long, 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 long time as well. A smart droid once said, I can't lie to you about your chances, but you have my sympathies. I'm so pleased that you looked that up while we were waiting. Uh, Ash. That's not, not, uh, not what we do here now. <laughs> Other production updates. So that, that was your Stern Pinball production update. Other news in production updates at Stern Pinball. They are still planning on running a small little Iron Man vault run in September. So maybe there's your September explanation, but no immediate plans to build those again after. As well as Batman Premium. You're going to see that run in August. So that's, that's right around the corner. But again, after that Batman run in August, no plans to build again. And then, listener, we also have some news about the Stern Mandalorian accessories. Stay tuned because later in the show, we're going to be covering in depth when those are shipping, when they're going for sale, etc. Dennis Multimorphic has been teasing a new title. Jerry Stellenberg on the website states, Our next full P3 game kit is based on an amazing licensed theme. And mm. Scott Denisi is working on the audio package! Exclamation. End quote. Jerry Stellenberg. Wow. Not only a licensed theme, finally, an amazing one at that with Scott Denisi on sound. That interests me. Not going to lie. It should. It's got it's got two things that should make it success make it more successful than any other game they've released. It's got Scott's name attached to it, and while not everyone likes everything that Scott does, his music has gone over very well with the pinball community. Very so true. Specifically saying that he's working on the audio package, I think is a big win no matter what the game is. And then, as you noted, finally a licensed theme. Mm. Amazing will be in the eye of the beholder, but I think it's a smart move. I mean, that's been my number one criticism from a business strategy standpoint for Multimorphic is, again, we've talked about this ad nausea. Killer app. Just need it. You got it. Yeah. Killer app. You got to have, you can go on Pinside as much as you want and listen to people lecture you about how important and special original themes are. They just don't sell well. You have to work so hard to sell an original theme Mm -hmm. well. And what's the most successful one anyone can think of? It's Total Nuclear Annihilation, which Scott took to all sorts of shows before it was even decided that it would be put into production. And it's still only sold 550. Yeah, that had a built-in theme. It all is very simple to me. It comes down to this, listener. I am interested in Heist at $3,000, $2,500. I'm not interested in buying Heist at ten dollars to $12,000. Again, what Dennis was saying, if they can knock out a killer app, a license that people just flock to, then they're going to sell other products as well. And that's what Jerry has been trying to do over and over, build up this catalog so that once these things do hit, if they ever do, other people will be more convinced to spend money on uh, additional games to put in it. It sparked my interest. And I don't want to misquote the guy, but on Pinside and different forums... Jerry's really been pushing the size of this theme. How many people just love this theme? Hopefully he's not overselling it. 
uh, until we until we know, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, the the biggest analogy, I guess, I, I wouldn't call it a backfire analogy because by all I still haven't played it, but by all reports, the game is excellent. But Hot Wheels, I remember when Hot Wheels came out, and that was American Pimp. It was like how everyone. Lo- I mean, it was a huge, yeah. and it is. It's yeah. a huge license that no one cares about when it comes to pinball. Yep, Got it's it. not because there's no story to it. That's so, right. I mean, if if Jerry's got micro machines, then I'm afraid it's going to be the same problem. But if it's, yeah. a, you know, if you got Thundercats, then maybe it's different. I think you're okay there. You have to have an identifiable character storyline that people have nostalgia for. People like playing with cars, sure. Mm-hmm. But they don't have anything right. that they can. Right. And I know I know American Pinball's response was, well, the, the Hot Wheels game is actually based on the hit YouTube series. But it's a Which kid's no one series knew about, and kids aren't you know, buying the games. Well, kids don't have any money because they're kids. <laughs> And the child labor laws prevent them from <laughs> making an honest buck. So, and uh, you were trying to sap the joy of children or something. Wasn't it a goal of yours? What? What was that? No. Stupid? One should always limit the the joy of a child or something. Like that. I think in the regards to you were discussing letting your kids do something, and I simply asked, why didn't you just consider limiting their joy? Some it doesn't always have to be all about them okay, and giving them yeah. everything they want. I guess so think that Jerry's got to be careful with the theme because uh, you think it's going to be a music theme? No. I don't think he's going to get what he wants from a music theme. Given the uh, display screen and everything, you know, the the core of the innovation of P3, my guess would be video game. Yeah, that would would make a lot of sense. Because the screen lends itself to doing stuff related to video game. Mm -hmm. And they could probably take advantage of certain visual assets quite easily out of a video game so and you're, and he's not going to do like stern does and has an animation team that can create their own uh right right you know, so I, and it's a space no one else is really playing in that probably they should be playing in mm-hmm. that's one place i will point to Pinside and say i think they're right when they say why aren't there video why is everyone just gun shy to video game themes it's yeah. like video games are the, the biggest entertainment in a category that I am aware of at this point. It is way bigger than music. It's way bigger than Hollywood. Yeah. It's definitely way bigger than pinball. It's huge. So it's huge. And there's such a plethora of well-known games going from that, what we would call single A all the way to triple A. So I'm sure you have a lot of room to find stuff that might not be that bad on the license cost front. But man, if he had a movie theme that I really loved, I would love to see it on that playfield screen. Maybe he got Tetris. Please, God, no. I want Scott's interpretation of Tetris music. He'll just pull that music. It's a pretty classic. But we could Scottify it. Oh, man. Electronic tech. Yeah, that part. Mm-hmm. But not Tetris. Tetris doesn't work. Boring, stupid. Love that tune. American Pinball's in the news. They're teasing as well. Everybody wants to tease. Everybody's getting warmed up mm. for their next title. They were on yeah. the Pinball News, Pinball Magazine, Pinball Podcast with Martin Ayu and Jonathan the Juice's Loose Juiced In. This was quite the interview. Yeah, it really was. A lot of information. But Dave Fix was there, so I mean, come on. You're gonna get some. You're gonna get some statements there. Some one-liners. That's true. Plenty of those. We also had owner of Aimtron, Mukesh. Now the now the owner of American Pinball. Mm-hmm. Now the owner of American Pinball. It's all under Aimtron now. 
And yeah, I guess that, that's the, that was the big announcement was that they're no longer like uh, sister companies. Mm-hmm. Yep, all under Aimtron, even though they'll still call it American Pinball. And then entering right stage yet again is Nermal. And Nermal was with the team during Oktoberfest. He was right. He was the guy wearing the outfit at Expo. And then <laughs> remember the outfit. And then he exited. I, I I I just I remember in the interview it came up yeah. because they asked him if he's going to dress up again for the oh, next geez. game. Joe Balser's gone. We, we have a lot of changes over there. Did you know that American Pinball uses Bader Playfields just like Spooky I do Pinball? now? Bader Playfields and, eh, and Bader Playfields have been. People have been saying they hold up well. Mm-hmm. I think Bader's going to have a lot of people knocking on their doors in the future if they can sustain production uh, speed that these companies need. Maybe then they'll fall into the same trap. I don't know. Nobody complains about American Pinball Playfields. That's for sure. So they got that going for him. This is, I don't know how to interpret this. I may have this wrong listener. They were talking about the goal of market share in pinball and, and how many machines they want to get out. I had a difficult time interpreting this. So my apologies if this is incorrect, but the goal I'm hearing is to earn half the market share in pinball, acknowledging that the full share is like 10 to 12,000 machines a year. And this was Mukesh discussing this. He said, thus their goal is to create five to 6,000 machines a year. Did I hear that right? Is that? I don't remember this part. I may have okay. had to turn my audio down uh, Okay. I, when I was in the car at this point for some reason. It was odd because number one, 10 to 12 pinball machines a year as the full share in pinball, I think is, I think is low. I think it's. I don't think it's ridiculously low, but I do think it's thousands low. Mm-hmm. I do too. But I, but again, I don't know. You, I mean, you sell games. I don't. What would I know? This is why I think it's a bit low. But yeah, not substantially low. But I think like I had the number closer to like twenty k. Yeah, I would. I would. I would think Stern knocks that out yearly pretty easily. Just alone, but, so but they do have the market set share. That aside. Okay. I would just set that aside and say they want to ha- sell five to six thousand. That's the bigger thing. That's, I'm like, that's the relevant what? number. That's the relevant number. The reason I think that is lofty to a degree that will never be met is because they did also announce that they've still got two games this year, Dennis. 2021, two games, and they're both unlicensed. Yeah. You're not selling so, five to six thousand pinball machines a year. That's just, I would phrase it as they're not selling five to six thousand pinball machines this year. How about that? That's what I'll say. I'd go out on a limb and say next year as well. Even with well, I think it's unlikely. Titles. But again, with with Dennis Nordman and the having his designs then coming out, and they have the new licenses, you know, maybe it's conceivable. But possible bottlenecks on production should be alleviated yeah. by then as well. We will we'll see about that. AP also said I thought this was just cute and precious. Said the business is not solely profit-based. I mean, that's not their goal here. They're not looking to make money there. Just want to give back to the community around Elk Grove Village or wherever the wherever the hell they're at. Come on. Right? Come on. <laughs> it Stop. Uh, uh, it was... Um, I, I never put a lot of stock in those sort of statements. Yeah. I guess as a privately owned... Because I believe it's... Yeah, as a privately owned business, I, I can understand... They're not obligated to just try and benefit shareholders at all at the expense of everything else. Mm-hmm. So that that part, there's that aspect. They don't have to just be trying to maximize shareholder value. But 
Yeah, it's sort of like lots of corporations, even with shareholders, have like charitable programs and stuff that they do to give back to their area communities and things. So that's also not all that atypical to find ways to give back and it being a little more direct than just sort of saying things like we're trying to bring families together (laughs) with pinball which is sort of what the argument was. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying that. And that might be a goal of theirs as well. But but all the pinball companies meet that then. They're all bringing families together by the inherent nature of the product. Yeah, I don't. It it, it gives me a little red flag when I hear things like it. Oh, we're just, we're not even trying. If we break even, that's great. Oh, stop. Stop. I want to believe you guys. So when you make things like that, I don't know what to believe anymore. Now, Regardless of the motivation, if they're actually able to, and that was part of the aspect of the interview that seemed to be getting stressed is it sounded like they're planning to hold their pricing steady. That's true. You know, if their goal is the five to 6,000 machines a year and they're actually not going to increase their costs and we've been seeing other manufacturers do so, that might just funnel people into their products anyway. Yeah. And they are moving to a two model system where they're calling the classic and the deluxe. The classic being more... You don't like it. I, I don't, I get it. it. In a way, it would make no sense for all the companies to agree on how they're going to name all these models. But oh my God. So the problem is that everyone's like using part of the names of everyone else. Mm-hmm. So they've got classic and, and CGC Chicago's classic. got classic. They've got deluxe and no one else has deluxe. But deluxe is like premium. There's probably which deluxe. Which is LE somewhere. when it's JJP. And then the JGP's got CEs, which are LEs to Stern. You see what I'm saying? It's very confusing at times. Yeah. It's, it's it's nauseating. Mm-hmm. I I can't argue there. The the classics but are geared whatever. towards those location operators that are going to be running them, uh, priced closer to like a, a Hot Wheels currently, and then the deluxe models aimed for your home based collector based uh, individuals with the extra flares. He said nothing. It was very confusing. Nothing is going to change on the play field. But then he went into saying some of the some of his aesthetics, like a mirrored back glass or well trim he, and art he, blades. It, it's a okay. I, I'm going to push a little bit on that. He indicated, and this was David Fix, indicated that the layouts will be the same. Yes. However, I would disagree with his statement that changing something from drops to stand ups means you kept the same game. Absolutely, couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. When he said that, I'm like, well, no, wait a minute. Now you have changed it. You have changed the game. I, I get it. You could. I mean, it's not as egregious or extreme as a you know moving Mando mini playfield versus a static one or an upper Mando playfield, play, right? Yeah. But it's anyone who's ever done like the firepower modification or played the variants from Stern that went from stand ups to drops knows that yeah, they play, play ACDC Pro versus Premium. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, they play different, notably <laughs> yes. different. So, yeah, you've but. So you've kept the same layout, but you've changed the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And it sounded as if to me, I don't know if this is just me, but when I heard that, it sounded as if the classic edition, they're actually going to start stripping stuff out. Because we got Houdini that they gave an example of, if that was a classic edition, then instead of the milk can being a nice molded piece, it'd be a 2D plastic. Instead of the mm-hmm. planchette being a nice crafted wooden piece, uh, just another 2D plastic. So I'm like, sure. Eh, That's what I would expect as well. They're going to sell these things a la carte, also. Yes, you can buy the upgrades, which I've um, be candid. I've spoke with them about being a bad idea. Some uh, upgrades is fine, but if you have nothing that differentiates that deluxe model from that classic, nobody's going to buy the deluxe. There's no reason, 
It doesn't make any, yeah, there's nothing I mean, special I, about it. If they're selling say, mirror back glasses, no. It's, eh. I think if, the, if they've got it so that it's more expensive to go a la carte and buy all the stuff versus going and buying the deluxe, that might be enough of a motivator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just depends. You got to have something special. Got to. Got to, or you're not going to get the sales that you want. Broken record. Two games, 2022 as well, both licensed spring and fall. So it sounds like we're going to get something very soon from American Pinball here in 2021, an unlicensed theme. He said as soon as they reveal it, they'll be ready to start shipping them. And then one in the fall around expo time, you'll see another one. Yep. Their their goal of going two games a year apparently is still planned to start this year. Best of luck to them. I'm, I'm eager. I'm still interested. It, it fires me up because they build a good game. Mm-hmm. They talk a big game, <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, uh, but I have to say, in, in this interview, I thought they had a, a lot of grounds for a lot of it. You know, I Dave Fix wants to point out that they don't have playfield problems, and mm-hmm. hey, that, I haven't been hearing playfield problems out of American Pinball, so why not flex a little bit on the other larger manufacturers that still struggle? Yeah, very true. They also, it was, uh, I think we were talking about this. You noted this that they were utilizing the P three board board system um, multimorphic kind of thing yeah p3 and, rock yep they were using that in their past games as was, was spooky spooky was as well spooky and haggis yes yeah but this time around they were asked about hey you're aimtron you're making electronic boards why wouldn't you just do it yourself and they kind of said stay tuned so it sounds as if they're hinting at kind of dropping p rock in their games uh, at some point in the future I think it's yeah. smart. Yeah, they went on a little bit about how it was important when they were pushing out Houdini that they needed to get a game out quickly and using things they knew would work made sense. But then they acknowledged that, yes, they they make their own boards and there's an intention of of doing a transition. So that's just been I'm going to guess it's just coincidence because I I mean, I, again, I don't I don't have sources everywhere, but I haven't been hearing a ton of complaints. But it's just an interesting coincidence that like all the manufacturers that I was aware of that had some sort of involvement with more multimorphic for their board sets are moving away from that. That's true. I look at Haggis, they're going with fast. Yeah, they they still not not in-housing. And then Ben Hack has obviously discussed in a prior interview about that he's been designing a board for Spooky. And he had indicated, he's the only one where I knew a reason and that he had indicated cost was mm-hmm. the reason. I think Jerry needs this license theme for multimorphic to hit. He really needs it to hit. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have I mean, to see. Inherently, I think it will be more attractive than anything. Else. But, you know, that, that same barrier, as you pointed out, is there. You have to convince people that it's worth the $10,000 initial investment. So, Well, a killer theme will do that. It can. I mean, we've as we've seen other pinball machines creep up in price, and Jerry's been able to hold the price on the P3 platform. It should become financially a more and more attractive option, as long as he can hold the price. Man, just imagine the look on Jerry's face if he could replicate... Uh, like what Spooky did with selling out that quick on a Rick and Morty just on theme alone, he would be back in it. That horse would have been back in this race. But with his with his his money earner, his bread and butter of that P-Rock system, kind of, I would speculate keeping him floating. If that's going away, he's going to have to hit. You're going to have to hit. I don't want to see him fold. You guys to know, sorry. I was surprised that American Pinball discussed a key goal is to get their games on location, calling it, quote, the core group. 
Mm. So I'm guessing your shock isn't that they want games on location, location, but rather that they said core group. Yes, it being core group. Their core group is location pinball machines. According to David, he said that the he said that the operators were bigger than the home buyer pool. I was surprised at that statement. Quote, the operator pool is huge, end quote. Yeah, and then talked about it being larger than the home buyer pool. That, that really surprised me because I know that used to be, like I remember in past interviews with Gary Stern, he used to say that, but Stern doesn't say that anymore, not in the U.S. Yeah. I think last I'd heard in some other countries, the operator market was still larger than the home buyer market, but that- Especially during I the was, tail end of a pandemic. And that's the thing. I was hearing like 50-50-ish before the pandemic. So I, I'm not sure the statement is true. I'm not saying that the, I'm not saying the quote part, the operator pool is huge. I agree. The operator pool okay. is still huge. Relative just, to what? I'm yeah, not sure. sure it's the majority larger than the home buyer pool. Especially for American pinball. Jersey Jack's already went all in and be like, yeah, it's, it's the home market. <laughs> no, and I think, I do think though that his statement wasn't that most of their games had been going to operators. It's that- that's where they want to. Mm-hmm. That's where they they need to get their games t- into that into that. So is it, and that was what Hot Wheels was for. And I'm going to be honest, as a hobbyist, if I'm being totally transparent, worries me a little bit when I hear a company that's building a nice, strong machine. Their their core group isn't me, and especially when they later in the interview say that titles are going to continue to be as family friendly as possible. Another thing, as a hobbyist, as a collector, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I'm mixed. Uh, and my, well, my excitement is mixed with American pinball. Yeah, I come at it a different way. So I actually prefer hearing about operator focus on game design because to me that means that their priority is going to be have things that don't break. And I'd rather Ugh. have stuff that's really reliable than hearing people whine about if Grogu's arm moves. It sounds boring. So, so uh, you can say that, but that's what pure pinball is. So What, boring? No, just that it's supposed to be mechanical, but it's designed for, it's a game designed to be on a location. That's the concept. So you, when you start drifting away from that and people like you going in past episodes saying that you would be okay with having to replace stuff every 50 to 100 plays is not acceptable to people like me. That's ridiculous. Better stick with the classic model. So American <laughs> Pinball saying that they're, they want to keep things operator friendly to me is a big positive. On the family-friendly thing, it got a little weird because different people in the interview were saying different things. So my read on that was, while they stressed family and all of that, they also, I thought, made it clear that not every game is going to be like a Hot Wheels. Like, Oktoberfest is arguably not family-friendly. Uh, It is, though. No, because it promotes alcoholism. Nah, so they, they pitched it as a, as a carnival fair thing. They didn't... Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I know how they pitched it. I, Zach. I thought they. I know how they pitched it. I thought they doubled. Fest, Zach. I thought they it's would double fest. down on the alcohol portion of it. I think they would have. Maybe, maybe they should have. They would have sold but, more. But regardless, in the interview, someone else said, "I don't remember which one of them who was responding clarified after there was that emphasis on family and all of that that they're not committing that every single theme is going to be a family theme, but that the idea is they want families to play together." Mm. So my guess would be we're probably not going to see like a Rick and Morty out of them, but what Stern puts out, like they're not going to be necessarily more kid friendly than Stern. They can be the same as what Stern does. Stern doesn't have, Stern's edgy. Uh, Okay. They take a lot. If you say so. No. Stern was edgy with Metallica. I can't think of a more, I can't think of a recent edgy game. Iron Maiden? 
Mm. Was it profane? Edgy. It's well, it's metal. Walking so. Dead. That well, there Game was no profanity in it. No profanity, and no blood and dots. Like I'm thinking, really LCD era stuff. I'm struggling here. I'm trying to think what the. Um, I mean, Deadpool was pretty tame. Deadpool, D- Black Funny, Knight, but tame. Black Knight. Yeah, it's it wasn't flamethrowers. Friendly. Like yeah, I, skeletons anyway, I, and that stuff's family friendly enough. Oh, I think okay. it's enough for American right. Pinball. Nice it's not all going to be. Hey, look, a YouTube kids show. Led Zeppelin. What you're name? You're just naming themes adults <laughs> like. They're all family friendly. <laughs> The only reason you don't have kids listen to Led Zeppelin music is it will melt their faces because they're not ready for how awesome it is. Whoa! Who do you think has a bigger splash in 2022? American Pinball or Multimorphic? American Pinball. Who do you think has a bigger splash in 2021? Given given, uh, that Multimorphic announces their new game that is licensed this year. Yeah, I mean, currently I'd say Multimorphic this year. Just because they've confirmed it's going to be licensed and with American Pinball confirming that they're not going to be licensed. Multimorphic has a double double license there. They got the Scott Denisi license too. License to kill. Yeah. And beats. Yeah, I just... But again, the platform itself is not new. Why is Multimorphic intriguing me? What the hell's happening to me? Just because you're always interested in licenses. It's... Look what I've been... Oh... I knew I tried this new thing. I went to the supermarket, tried this new thing. Uh, it's what I'm drinking. It's Kool-Aid. I'm drinking this multimorphic Kool-Aid. I'll go further and say with multimorphic, I don't know. I admire their purity. A survivor, unclouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. Maybe they've got it. <laughs> More alien quotes. <laughs> At least I'm sticking to ash. Yes, I know. Spooky pinballs. You do know I have those scripts memorized. uh, not doubting that at all. I can't even read them in front of me and you've got them uh, memorized. Spooky pinball is in the news. I think we're done talking about uh, American pinball spook. Not much here. Spooky is just warming up on a new game announcement this month. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. Damn. I love new pinball. Because you're selling, yeah. Zach. you're always just excited you're by selling. new stuff. That's why you sell them. It's because you sell them. It's because you're shill. I don't sell for multimorphic. Thank you. And spooky is, Jury's still out. Where are you at, Charlie? I don't know what Spooky's new game's going to be. If it's any of the rumored stuff they've been talking about. I hope it's Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, God damn. If it's Halloween, I'm ecstatic. That's great. I love that theme. If it's A Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm ecstatic. I love that What's your favorite part from Halloween? The nostalgia. I like the the film nostalgia. You don't have a certain thing you want to see on the play field from the movie? No, because I don't think it's... I'm not like a big horror, but I don't think it's a great, awesome movie. But I'll, the score, the main right, character. So when you push the start button, it's going to play the score. Okay. The main character, the ability to actually scare me in a pinball machine. It's not so much the theme, but just that for me, the theme is recognizable. Hmm. See, because what I'm getting at is I don't think you've ever actually seen this movie. Oh, I, I've not seen Halloween. I've, I will agree. I've not seen the, uh, the third one. The season of the witch that everybody talks about. Uh, even, yeah. Well, okay, that, and that's okay that you I'm haven't. Not, I've seen not seen that. that. Some people love it though. That's a it's a weird one. I've oh, definitely seen one. Halloween. Okay. Um, you just every time you've mentioned it, you speak in such vagary that yeah, I get I don't, this weird impression. That's what I'm like I you, don't. You know it, but you don't. Yeah, don't remember much of it. 
Don't okay. remember much of that or the second one. I've seen the second one. So I was just trying to. So I mean, I I now. am a I'm a pretty big Halloween fan. I usually rewatch the movie every other year, but it's again, really old. It's, it's just so it's old. like there's not like major set pieces that I would think of that I would I, I would necessarily incorporate. You know, I, I still incorporate the inside of that home. Yeah, I mean, you could Closets, go with that. I mean, I'm wondering maybe just some iconic imagery, like maybe there's a the the headstone of the of the I think it was from his sister that he, okay. he puts in the house at one point. You know, that might be something. What's the, the jack o' lantern from the cover art. The, yeah, with the one uh, tooth thing. Yeah, the weird. Yeah, cut you can do something like to that. The tooth. What about the um? I always recognize. I have to watch this film again. But the the Bordreau, the makeup. What what scene is that? Uh, uh, at the very beginning with the sister. Okay. She's, yeah, like she's a, putting on her with makeup. the mirror yeah. and stuff. Yeah, maybe. maybe that, or you do something perhaps with uh, Doctor Loomis in some capacity. Oh, a psychiatric facility, maybe. See, they don't have too much of that though. See, but the, but the thinking, psych facility is only like th- two minutes of the film. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just the town is where most of you know most of it's like looking out of out of windows and on the streets of the town. And I know most people probably love that more than they do Nightmare on Elm Street, but I think I'd prefer a Freddy Krueger. Man, I I just that's what I grew up with. That's well, what yeah. You know, Freddy me as a villain has a personality, so that probably is what. Though well, I, I I'm far more familiar. And with the set Halloween pieces than. of a Nightmare on Elm Street, were but it's phenomenal. been done before. Phenomenal. Oh, gee, here we go. It's been done before. Who gives a shit? They, England did the callouts for it. I remember because you made fun of the uh, callouts and how badly the voice actor did, and it was the actual actor. I know. I remember these things, Zach. I would love to have another one of those. Let's, let's just do Killer Clowns. I've thought of owning the Gottlieb. Just Killer because Clowns like works so well because there's so many fun, colorful things you can do. Just not Army of Darkness, please. What? I don't want Army of Darkness. I, just, I want Arm with a Boomstick. I don't want Army of Darkness. I don't even know okay. if I've seen that film in its entirety. Mm, probably not. I've seen Evil Dead and I love that. But something tells me it's totally different after that first film. It, well, the second one is like the first one, but a little goofier would be how I describe it. No, like they went goofy with it. No. It was just the right amount of goofiness in the Evil Dead. And then they don't they just go all in on... Stupid. I don't thinking. think it's going to be Evil Dead, though. I think Charlie I handed at it too. It's too on the nose with him in the poster pose. That's, too on the that's nose. enough time for Spooky. They got to show us something. Show us the clowns. Before we get into everyone's favorite segment, I'm going to throw in a new segment, just a little quick rundown that I'm going to call The Game Has Changed. And this is a, a nod to changing your game which is modding the game modifications to a game i think they i think they get the it. game has changed ain't that right brucey nightingale you know bruce likes modding his game yes uh, right up there with uh, buying every topper for every game he owns well yeah he posted on facebook he was talking about new cabinet and back glasses and i'm like oh you love modding games brucey the game has changed, ladies and gentlemen, because the Mandalorian accessories are now available to order. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Art blade, shooter knob, side armor, all will be tentatively shipping in August. There's your update. The game has also changed, though, because pricing has changed a bit, not only on the Mandalorian accessories, but on other accessories as well. Art blades for the Mandalorian now are $89.99 plus tax and shipping. It's an increase of $10, Dennis. Mm. Shooter knob. Now we know that the illuminated shooter rods by Stern Pinball run you about a buck forty, but the standard ones that don't illuminate or interact with the game like that usually about ninety bucks. 
Shooter knob for the Mandalorian is $129.99. Plus tax and shooter. Mm. Went up there. Armor. Everybody loved this Mando armor, didn't they? Mm. More interest in this armor than other titles for some reason. Typically about $250 from Stern Pinball, your, your standard pricing for armor. The Mandalorian armor, $289.99. Mm. Mm. See a little increase there. The topper, pricing, pictures, etc., will be released at a later date. And I talked about it on the Slam Tilt podcast. I'm going to say it here. I'm talking Deadpool, baby. Another run of Deadpool toppers are slated to hit the market late summer, early fall. How about it, Dennis? See? They were they're going. finally making more of them. They're making more. Price has went up a little bit. Mm. I think they were $400, $500 a couple years ago when they had them. They're gone, gone, gone. They're dried up. New price, $699.99. <laughs> a bit staggering there. Yeah, that's that one isn't a bit. It's that motorized. A, that's, a, that's a full bite. It's that one went up a bite. Though. And uh, we just learned over this past weekend, if you guys were paying close attention, I haven't heard anybody talking about it yet, but they will because Stern Accessories have seen a price increase as well. A lot of them. Some of them not so much. Like the Deadpool topper, seen that increase as they're going to re, rerun that, but all the other toppers are staying the same. Now your art blades... Same, uh, Mandalorian. Remember that I said standard, usually about 80 bucks for art blades. Yeah. They're now 90, 89.99 for all art blades from Stern Pinball. Went up 10 bucks. Shooter rods is where we're seeing a big jump. For example, Led Zeppelin shooter rod, $90 typically. Uh, it, it went up 169.99. I've wow. been told that some of these price increases are, they're, it's just due to manufacturing costs. It's just, that's what it is. They're going okay. up. Prices on materials are going up substantially, and they've got to increase the price every now and then on things like this if they want to keep making them. The Avengers Infinity Quest shooter rod that had a really cool straight down the middle video that's now deemed useless is now $179.99. The whole shtick of that fucking video, Dennis, was the pricing. You know how much? Oh, gee. I didn't see that video because I don't own an Avengers. It's about entertainment, damn it. And I, I worked so hard on that. So hard to make it an infomercial. It's useless. Well, now it's now it's a commercial. It's it's useless. I got to take it off the air. Damn it. Yeah. Delete it. Bye, viewers. Sorry, analytics. Thanks, Stern. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shooter Rod. Now $129.99. The armor even went up on Turtles. $269.99. Stranger Things Shooter Rod. $179.99 now. It's a beaut, though. Mm, it's so pretty. The armor is now $269.99 for the Stranger Things. Elvira shooter rods. That clown, the evil clown, $169.99 now. Elvira armor jumped up as well, $269.99. The Jurassic Park, bum, bam, bum, bam, bum, bam, 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 mosquito rod. Remember that one? That's a good one. Yeah. $179.99. Mm-hmm. So it went up about 40 bucks. Monster Shooter Rod, can't even believe they're making those still, $169.99. Guardian Shooter Rod, the cute little Groot, baby Groot. <laughs> Not cute to the wallet, $169.99. Deadpool Shooter Rod, an affordable $109.99. The Armor, everybody like that Armor. Call your dealer or me, get some of that, $269.99. So it sounds like the Shooter Rods went up and the Armor perked up a little bit on some of the models. We call that segment, The Game Has Changed. It, it, indeed it has. Dub, I guess we'll double find meaning out how there. many people were buying accessories for fun and how many are buying accessories for flex. 
Oh, don't differentiate that listener. Don't listen to him. That's not true at all. You can own these we'll things and enjoy we'll these products who's, uh, who's in this without game just to flexing. Show off wallets. What a, Go on, buy this stuff at these prices. What a dichotomy you, you tried setting there. Your wallet's weak if you can't afford these prices. Yeah, do you like the, That's what they're telling like you. the sidewalls of your pinball machine to be mm-hmm. as boring and bare as my co-host? Mm-hmm. Like his yeah. soul. Black. Oh, look at how, look how great that is. It's worth seven, another $70. Sure, it's a great deal. Don't let the side cabinets bear your black soul. No, no, no. Fill it with art. Oh, Dennis, look, I've been having so much fun here on the show. I wanted to, uh, I'm always looking to freshen things up a bit, right? Mm. No, we've done pinball market trends for the whole show. Yeah, that's true. The whole podcast. Even, yeah, even going back. I wasn't even going back that far. I was just going back to our episode 40, whatever. It's almost like our relationship matured whenever we settled down and you put a ring on it and that ring was pinball market trends, right? Yeah, I'm not sure why what Beyonce has to do with this podcast. Well, just like the mods, if you like it, then you put should have put a ring on it. Could have should have would have put. A ring on it. Well, now the rings went up like eighty <laughs> percent. Okay, so I wanted to freshen things up a little bit, and I thought the only way to really freshen up because I'm not really allowed to sing per se on this show anymore, and people were loving that. You sapped all the joy out of that, like a young child on Christmas morning. So I thought. You know what? I really admire song. And the way to do song perfectly is to modify that. Some of these singers out there, listener, they're not they're not the greatest songbirds in the world, are they? Think of think of people like a I don't know, like a Kanye West. He's more of a rapper, spoken word type of thing. He sings as well. He's just got a beautiful voice in post. Same with somebody like a T-Pain. Whatever happened to T-Pain? He was in an auto accident. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I just thought I he mean, was, he's, he's alive. I just he's thought alive. he was in love with a stripper. Are you, now, I'm, uh, now, Zach, uh, gosh, someone who's, who's, who claims to be so versed in music, T, I've heard T-Pain sing, sing Acapulco. He's very good. Acapulco? He does not need where you are going with this, I know now. Really? I now understand. Why? He actually, yeah. Check on YouTube sometime and see him sing acapulco. Oh. I think he sucks at that, but okay. No, you do you do not because you've never heard him sing. He actually has an excellent voice. Really? Yes. Is it as good as Cher's, though? Because I well, believe in life after Cher love. Cher is an icon. Oh, so you're a Cher fan. I like some of her songs, sure. Don't shit on Jesus. Have you seen his shoes? Talking about Kanye West. See, at least I get references that you uh, fly over your head every now and then. So I thought Mm. I'd freshen up, Dennis, this. You haven't heard this yet, buddy. Sorry, but I'm going to spring it on you right now. We got a a new little flair today on this version of Pinball Market Trends. Ladies and gentlemen, your favorite pinball podcast segment that has become larger than life itself. You know it. You love it. Pinball Market Trends. It's an auto-tune edition. And Dennis Creasel, you know I love you so. While I hold him in my bosom so tight. Give a little smooch smooch on that supple soft cheek of yours. Ooh. Wow, well, Zach, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty bad. <laughs> Come on. It made my voice sound beautiful, didn't it? It, it probably was a, an improvement to a degree, around. but you still have to... Auto, auto-tune can only do so much. Oh, but see, now that now I've got the chops of Ron Hallett. 
Uh, wow, that's ambitious. Yeah, absolutely. We'll try it again. Yeah, yeah, baby, that's what's up because this week trending up is Quicksilver. A hot new title from Stern Electronics. Quicksilver. All green. I know. They can make fun of me over at Slam. That's fine. It is trending up because these things continue to go up in value. And now that there is someone reproducing these play fields, we're seeing a lot more fresh, juicy ones out there that are dripping with clear coat. Mm. In the good way, not in the chippy way. Quicksilver, uh, a lot of parts available for this. May, uh, the drop target's still kind of hard to get. The original ones without that lip. Some of you Just convert to stand-ups, right? It's the same game. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Creasel. Quicksilver is going up. You can find a, a pretty rough one. Pretty, pretty rough one for still $7,000. You're going to find a fully restored one around $9,000. New play field. Mm, painted cab. It's a thing of beauty. It's not a thing of beauty. I'm going to edit that because... It's ugly. It's a green monster of ugliness. Back glass is okay, I guess. Cabinet, little plain. But numbers don't lie. I only report the facts. And turning up this week is Quicksilver. Would you ever own a Quicksilver, Dennis? Not at these prices. I've actually never played it. Mm. Never found one at a show. I don't know if I've played an original one. Yeah, I have. I've played the original one at Schmitty's. I like the idea of some of the shots, but I it would never be... Not what it commands. I just, there's not enough game there. I'd rather have a meteor. Yeah. I, uh, again, I haven't played Quicksilver, but meteor would be like, if I were to own a Stern Electronics game, that would be the one I want mm. of all the ones I've played. Also trending up, up, up is multimorphic. What is going on? I must have a fever. And the only cure is a licensed title. It's Scott Denise from Multimorphic. Come on. Don't fuck it up, Jerry. Don't fuck this up. But you're going to see a lot more interest in Multimorphic going forward. And people are now thinking, eh, Scott Denisi hasn't made anything bad. And I like the Multimorphic machine, the idea of it. Flippers still feel a little bit weird. And there's some downside. But overall, this company, they need a hit. And they may be trending up. Uh, just, you know, conceptually trending up right now. Numbers aren't lying here because they're just they're not selling so i don't they're turning up Fuck it. it's it's this is a this is a bit people deal with it but unfortunately trending down 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 is elvira's house a horse premium that's sad why is that dennis i don't know do people have to wait till 2023 for them see what you did there 2022 but they are trending down just a hair because there was a recent run that uh and I don't know, are they gonna have a little bitty august run they split those runs it's supposed to be a may i don't know once new fly into the uh the marketplace then it's going to bring prices down just a hair uh secondary market and and primary market people were trying to sell them for ten thousand dollars used nope back down again we're back down to Used ones are still going for a new inbox range, but the new inbox ones are going for higher, of course, on the secondary. But, you know, good dealers are going to sell them for what they're supposed to. But plus, you've got new games coming out. We've got new rumored games. The summer is hot with upcoming pinball uh, titles. So you're going to see Elvira trickle down just a little bit. Now, wait until we get to October, November. That puppy's going to be back up on fire again. Mark my word, it will be. 
And then when we get that big giant run in 2022, you'll see that market come back down again. It's kind of like the weather. You want to save a buck? You want to save a two? You want to save a quid? Or is it a quid? A franc? What is it? Is it a quid? Is that a uh, monetary form? Yeah, it's slang for British pound. Oh, is it? Okay. A euro? A euro. What's the goofy ass one from Australia? What's that called? Looney? Or is that no, Canada? the Canadians have loonies. The Australians use dollars. Do they? As do the Canadians, but Australia think is so smart. Loon is on the Canadian dollar or something. I don't know where it comes from. Oh, it's a bird reference? I thought so. Canadians are weird. Yeah, save a loony or two in this week's Deals of the Week. Bye, bye, bye. Deal of the Week this week is Bias Edition because Deal of the Week this week is from Flipping Out Pinball. Look, I, I tried to find a deal of the week that didn't include me on Pinside, but they're not to be sure found. Sure you did. Not to be found. You try very hard. Everybody's trying to screw you over. That's why you get the warm and fuzzies when you come over to Flippin' Out. You know what they say, just when in, when in doubt. Get yourself uh, a pre-owned Avengers Infinity Quest Premium. It's right up your alley. Din Din. Upgrades. Get a beautiful custom metallic orange powder coat on this particular one we get in on trade. Art blades, a couple other mods. Now, these things on the secondary market, uh, the premiums used, are going for about new in box prices. People are still really trying to get their hands on new in box Infinity Quest premium and pros. With this one, it's a deal of the week because you're going to be under new in box price and you get the upgrades. We could try to sell this thing for $7,300 cash pickup. I, I could try to sell that without these upgrades, but I'm giving you these upgrades. $7,300, come pick it up. I haven't even advertised it yet. I haven't even put it up. Bye, bye, bye! Come get it. But the one thing you're not going to be able to find at uh, Flipping Out Pinball or anywhere on the Pinball Network is deals of the... Deal of the what in the frank? What in the quid? What in the loon? It's on Pinside right now by the username MultiBallManiac1. Gotta be a maniac to try to be selling an Aerosmith original topper. Pretty topper. I actually like one. Wouldn't mind having one myself. But not for $2,200. Dennis, I'm with you now. What the hell is happening? I feel it's like I've created a monster and now it's attacking it's the fucking town. Yeah, it's speculative. I mean, it's sort of like, uh, you know, Ron and Bruce will slam tilt, help bear some culpability for the rapid increase in stern electronics pinball prices. And you bear some culpability, not all, but some <sighs> culpability on this phenomenon regarding that pinball toppers only appreciate and people are speculating with them. What have I done? Abomination. Dennis, for God's sake, this is the first time that we've encountered a species like this. Mm -hmm. It has to go back. All sorts of tests have to be made. These toppers are getting out of control. No. Normally, I this can't be stopped. I would nuke the site from orbit. <gasps> I think it's safe to assume it isn't a zombie. <laughs> it's like you have IMDB loaded and you're just reading down the <laughs> list. I do. It's so, I do. It's so painful. I do. I'm sorry I compared you to Ash uh, there. You, see, thank you. You give me an Android. I'm so animated and you give me a damn half. Oh, he no. was their science officer. He was very important to the crew. Oh, Dennis. So that's your deal of the what in the hell is going on with multi-ball maniac. $2,200. People, 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 people. If you need an Aerosmith topper that bad, here's a way to pay less money for it. It'll take a little time. But uh, contact everybody on that on that uh, pin side 
community uh, owner list for Aerosmith. Ask them if they've got a topper and tell them you'll pay $1,200 for it. I just saved you $1,000. This is ridiculous. Maybe a nice guy though, but ridiculous. Multiball maniac, I'm checking you out here. Don't uh, good morning Sunday bump this shit. Stop. Get out of here. And ladies and gentlemen, love it or hate it, you can't avoid it. As if you couldn't love this segment anymore, but now it's a certified banger. Hot banger. Pinball market trends for you. Market trends, baby. Pinball market trends. Trademark. Like that, Dennis? No. That's going to be done in post. No. Don't do it in post. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. But. All right, let's close down this left shack, baby. Email is thepinballnetwork at gmail.com. Dennis, where can people catch you if they want to email you or chat? Sure. As the rock lobster of this episode, I can be reached at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. You can also just go to facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast and shoot a message over through that system. I'll go listen to the last EGP episode. It was a really good one. And I'm very appreciative that you guys uh, received some feedback about the distribution discussion. And it was nice to hear even Tony soften up a little bit. Did he uh, shave his mustache or something? Felt a little soft. And he just listened to the other arguments that came in. Yeah. And it was, it was a nice balanced discussion and uh, always is over there. So got to go check that out. That was a good episode. You guys have been kind of on fire lately. I'm going to give you credit. It's no, it's not the pinball show, but it's it's good. It's good. Yeah, stuff. well, we don't, we can't afford auto tune. So, <laughs> Garage Band for the win. You can email me at the pinball network or at sdtmpinball at gmail A YouTube video series on pinball arcade rubber bands, etc. And if you're ready to buy a brand new pinball machine, why not buy it from people like Coin Giver? Flipping out pinball. That's our AKA now. Mm. flipping out pinball dbas coin giver yeah what huh yeah uh, you know businesses sometimes they'll they'll establish a dba a doing business as name oh that'll be different than their official name i did not know that no oh, okay i'm such an arcade pinball nut that when i hear dba i hear dollar bill acceptor ah like, oh, well, okay i understand everybody needs a dba cord uh they don't come standard in sterns now you can buy a flipping out pinball machine the product showcase this week is art blades We've got a lot in stock for your, uh, whether it's uh, Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy. We've probably got in stock. TMNT, got a lot of those. I just wanted to showcase these because a lot of people are intimidated by installing art blades. The sticky, they're like, how do I do that with the play field? There's two easy ways to do it. You can decide. One, if you got a, a PAL on the spike machines for stern pinball machines, there's only a couple plugs to remove the entirety of the play field. Just put it, uh, rest it somewhere. It is heavy, be prepared, but rest it somewhere safe. The way I do it, typically if I have angles on both sides of the pinball machine, I will pull the play field out as far as I can. Don't pull too hard to fall in the cabinet, but pull it out, rest it up or have somebody hold it, pull off the back application of the art blade, spray it down with Windex very liberally, right? Dripping. Shake it off, shake it off, shake it off, and then just shimmy it. Just shimmy it left, right, left, right, into place. Focus on the back, focus on the back. You got it around that little circle in the back there. You know what I'm talking about. Then kind of they're, they're made of a thicker vinyl, so it's really easy to get out air bubbles. And then lift up the play field, and then work your way all the way up to the front. Once that's done, 
play field back down all the way up to the front. Shimmy, shimmy, liberal, Windex, boom, boom, ba boom. Focus on the back, line it up. Flip up, play field to service position. Shift, shift, shimmy, squeegee, squeegee. Wipe it down, get all that Windex out before you turn on the electricity. And boom, it's done. Easy peasy. Might as well try it. And look, unless you want to have a dark, hollow soul on the side of your pinball machine. Nothing creates a world like licensed Stern Property Art Blades. Ding. I'm not intimidated by the install, just their new price. Also available right now, Jurassic Park Pro from Flipping Out Pinball. You guys are going to complain when these are gone. Might as well buy them. TMNT Premiums we've got. Turtles Pro, I think, uh, pre-order. That's getting ready to come back in, as well as Avengers getting ready to come back in. So get your name on the list for those. But if you're ready for a pinball machine right now, I can ship you out today a Led Zeppelin Pro or Premium. Iron Maiden July spots are filling up quick, and we've got a big old order for July on Iron Maidens. But that's been one of the hottest pins in the last couple of months for some reason. People are pre-ordering the heck out of those. Same with Hot Wheels if you want it. We'll get you on the list. Guns and Roses LE, we'll get you on the list. Jurassic Park Pro Arcade with the shooter guns. Pew, pew. MMR Topper. It's another one that I'm going to hear you guys bitch, moan, and cry once they're gone. Oh, I just picked up an MMR Standard remake, and I'm wanting the Topper. If you ever think you're going to own a Medieval Madness remake, buy this Topper. And I always forget to talk about Escalaris. Escalaris. That's a big product this year. Everybody's wanting an Escalera. Do you have a stove? Do you own a stove, Dennis? Uh, yes, well, I have a stove. Escalera can help you get it up or downstairs. Do you know that? I did not. Um, next time I move the stove, I'll keep that in mind. Washer and dryer got you down. Well, Escalera will get you up the stairs with it. <laughs> I did want to give the listeners an update that Escalera's right now, when you're ordering, they've ran into these same uh, parts delay issues as every other manufacturer on the world in the world. So uh, the turnaround is about six weeks right now. Typically, two to four weeks turnaround for Escalera, but right now. We're about six weeks. So if you think you're going to need one this summer or fall, go ahead and let's get you an order in now. Banners, alien pre-orders, Golden Tees 2021 is coming up. You name it. Flipping out's got it. That's why we're here. Mermaids. TPN last week was a final round pinball podcast, episode 35, called Demullet. Is that even a word? I had a hard time typing that out. That's, I think it's a Canadian word. There's another solid, solid episode by Jeff T. Ellis and Martin Robbins. They had guest Carl D'Angelo on. Uh, really, really good listen. Those guys are doing really, really well. As well as, I think it posted yesterday, Free Play Pinball Podcast Episode 3. Still with no logo, people. <gasps> You've got one job. Amanda's like, I'm so sorry. Please. And Bill Webb's like, eh, it is what it is. TPN this week, we should have an on-the-record pinball podcast episode two. Mm. Uh, hopefully, they're not turning to guests already. I, they're turning to sex appeal, I've heard. So you're going to have to tune in for that one because right now, Tom is kind of taking that show away from everybody. He's just he's a front-runner there for a new character of the year in podcasts. Why do we have a new Discord channel that... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what goes on in there. Centered around Tom Graff and modeling. It's it's my favorite Discord sub channel. Oh man, I'm gonna get a T-shirt that just says "I love Tom Graff" on it. They'd sell. So listen to that. I don't know what other podcasts are coming up. Mm, uh, uh, Silverball Chronicles probably coming up fairly soon. Oh yeah, that is coming up soon. 
It's been fun, gang. Thanks for tuning in and continuing the support over here. And remember, if you want to support me, just be decent to me as a human being. (laughs) Be logical, be factual, and bye, bye, bye. If you want to support Dennis Creasel for less than the price of a cup of coffee, (laughs) you you can read some of Dennis's work on the Choose Your Adventure series we were alluding to. And check out the show notes. And on Facebook, you'll see a link to go purchase that. It's uh, it's greatly appreciated because a lot of good friends associated with that. For Dennis Creasel, I'm Zach Minnie. Whether classic or deluxe, Bader is a must. I like that. Now you can use that one, David. And always practice safe pinball. Do you believe in laugh after pinball? Up. No. Oh, shit. Up there went. <laughs> so long, everybody. What? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I you just, just got to win back. Gary over. Just send it with a bottle of vodka next time. Jesus.